Hey guys, Wes and Ryan here letting you know that this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast is brought to you in part by Homefield, the premium collegiate apparel brand based right here in the United States of America out of Indianapolis just up the road. And these guys, they, they helped us as a sponsor last week. They're, they're a sponsor this week as well, going to be a sponsor here for a little bit. And the reason we are so, so happy about this, guys, is this company is awesome. You hear this kind of stuff a lot. Um, but the, these kind of vintage college shirts have been all the rage now for a while. That trend's not going anywhere. And Homefield is perhaps the very best company that does this. And these guys on Saturday opened up their Tennessee account. So you can go to homefieldapparel.com and they got 15 things to choose from on that site. And these are a lot of things. And when you talk about vintage stuff, a lot of people have this vintage stuff, but what makes Homefield different is they dig through the archives and the history of each school that they partner with. They find unique logos, mascots, and they in moments to make really thoughtful decisions about what they put on these shirts for this school. And for Tennessee, they got 15 pieces of apparel, including t-shirts, hoodies, crew neck sweatshirts, all kinds, all kinds of awesome stuff. And in the past, they've done things with Notre Dame, LSU, Texas, A&M, Wisconsin, Minnesota, UK, a bunch of others. Now they partner with Tennessee, and they're partnering with the Go Vols 24-7. And I'm telling you, I can finally talk about this stuff now. I think we both can, Ryan. Last week, they sent us stuff, and we couldn't really talk about it until it came out. We couldn't really preview anything. Um, but now I can tell you all 15 pieces are out. Uh, you can see the a lot of stuff with the Rifleman on it, a lot of really cool old smoky uniforms, Vol Navy, Pride of the Southland. These things came in. They are super soft. They are super comfortable. And since they came in now, uh, this was uh, last week, uh, my wife, has, who, who is pregnant, she can never find anything comfortable to wear. She wears that sweatshirt every single day now when she gets home. She just puts that sweatshirt back on, and this stuff is really soft and comfortable. It is, and uh, same same thing. My my wife has already uh, claimed the uh, the sweatshirt that came in. She she's a big fan of it. Uh, really soft, comfortable stuff. And uh, this is this is the kind of stuff that's right up my alley. It's it's a lot of sports fans are like the vintage looking stuff, and that's definitely what they have. And it's like you said, it's it's a bunch of unique logos you can't find on on a, on really any other stuff. Uh, there are plenty of Tennessee merchandise out there. Not anything that looks quite like this. And I think you saw that with the the on sale Saturday, a lot of excitement and, the, and some big numbers that, that home field had with this, uh, the launch of this line on Saturday. So uh, obviously a lot of Tennessee fans taking notice of it and uh, rightfully so it's some high quality stuff. And you know, the best part about this guys is right now you can go to homefieldapparel.com. Uh, you can also go, you know, through Facebook, you can go through the socials there through, through Twitter, Instagram, all those other things. But the easiest way is you go to homefieldapparel.com Go click on whatever you want, put it in the cart, and when you go to checkout, put in promo code VOLS247. That's VOLS247, VOLS247, and you get 15% off of your first order. You can go to homefieldapparel.com, click whatever you want in there. doesn't have to be Tennessee, but uh, probably, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably Tennessee. Go in there, click what you want, lots of cool stuff, put it in the cart, click VOLS247 right there at the end for 15% off. That's homefieldapparel.com. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. 
gold medal champion USA time. Take that, haters time. No matter if you count the golds or just all the medals, it's still all about America time. Also, maybe a little Tennessee football time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday afternoon here in God's own beautiful Knox, Tennessee. Fort Rucker Studio, just a couple miles away from the University of Tennessee campus, where this morning the Vols continued preseason camp. I would normally say something like they were starting the second week of camp, but since the first game's on a Thursday, the whole schedule is kind of weird. So it's like, do you say Saturday's practice is the start of a new week? I, I don't know. That's neither here nor there. But it's not just me on this episode, guys, of course, because my God, that would be terrible. We're going to go over to the undisclosed location for one Patrick Brown, and we're going to go to the home daycare center of Ryan Callahan. And fellas, I, I, I got to I gotta ask you, first off, um, how, how, are, uh, how are we doing today, fellas? Well, the kids are uh, in, in, well, the start of the new preschool year, which is probably the only reason we're both able to be on this podcast at the same time. So it's, it's a pretty good day when you have some help, you know, wrangling, wrangling a few kids in the home daycare center. Yeah. The twins are at the, uh, they're, they're, they're at childcare right now. And I apologize in advance. I sound terrible. I have a summer cold. I had to stop by CV West and get some, uh, <laughs> Advil cold and sinus. They looked at me funny. I'm not making meth or whatever it is that you do legally with Advil cold and sinus. I just have a cold. Yeah, I'm not. So. Yeah, I'm not trying to brag here, Pat. But uh, since the stroke a few years ago, I've had to take so many medicines that the people at CVS not only do they know me, they get upset when I don't bring Gus with me in the drive-through, and they can't give him dog biscuits, and so they ask, "Where's Gus?" That, that's that's why Pat's calling me CV West because well, well in the interest of transparency, I actually went to Walgreens, so I didn't go to CV. Yes, I just wanted to say CV West. So there you go. That there we have it. We got a lot to discuss on this episode, guys. We, we've got Tennessee football, Josh Heupel's first preseason camp with the team, got a potentially uh, unfortunate injury to discuss. We got, obviously, the quarterback stuff to discuss, uh, talk a little bit about the defense. Also, Tennessee picked up a commitment uh, from a wide receiver. We'll discuss that in the first segment. And then in the second segment, uh, assuming all of our voices are still there with all these all this cold stuff going around, we will get to mailbag questions. We, we've been saying for a while that we would – we would get back to doing that, and we are doing that. We're doing that in this episode, just in the second segment. Uh, but, fellas, I know because of the uh, because of Tennessee's COVID rules, which I think are are looser than than a lot of other people. We're we're getting we're getting some access, and I'm not going to complain about that at all because we are getting more access than a lot of people right now. And I thank Josh Heupel. I thank his staff, uh, Bill, and all those guys over at Tennessee Athletic Communications. They've been good to us so far. However, normally we would send four guys to every practice. We, we would have the whole staff there. But right now we can only have two because it's two per outlet because of the COVID restrictions going around. So uh, full disclosure, Monday morning I, I was not there. Uh, I've been to the first uh, couple practices, and then we're rotating it around. Pat, however, has been every day. I believe uh, Ramey was with – or was it Ryan? Ryan, you were with him this morning, weren't you? Correct. That is correct. Okay. So these guys were both here. Uh, so I've got some thoughts from early on in camp, but these guys have been to practices since I have last been. So, fellas, what did you see Monday? What's the vibe going around? What, how do you, what do you feel about this team right now? Well, I put, first of all, I put the 24-7 in 24-7 because I'm there at every practice. There you go. Uh, that's um, your job. Do you want, that's like Chris Rock saying, do you get a, like a parade for not beating your kids. Like you're the football right, player. Right. No, I'm just I'm just doing what they pay me to do. So no, um yeah, just a couple little minor things. Um 
obviously, a lot of, I'm sure we'll get to the quarterbacks here in a second, but Bayless Jones was back going through drills today for Tennessee. I think he's dealing with a hamstring, had a wrap on that right leg, uh, but looked fine. He's obviously a guy that needs some work, but you want to you wanna take it easy with him because you're going to need him more in the season than you need him here on August the 9th. Uh, Kamal Haddon is a guy that we hadn't seen a whole lot. He was going through drills today for the first time that I've seen in this uh, in preseason. So uh, both he and, and Brandon Turner are good additions there at corner to see what they can do and maybe push those guys. Um, and, uh, yeah, obviously the, the situation with Karen Calvert we'll get to in a minute, but uh, some things that, that we saw in the offensive line today. It looks like they were moving some guys around at that, at that tackle spot, trying to probably get as many of those guys as they can to be able to play right and left tackle. Obviously, Cade Mays can play both. Um, although Glenn Ellerby said today he still is getting work at guard as well. Um, but Darnell Wright's been at left tackle. That's been a change, uh, although he didn't. He, he was still at left tackle today. Dane Davis was actually working at right tackle when we were there uh, on Monday morning, and that was a little bit of a difference. So probably getting those top three guys to be able to play both sides, and, and even R.J. Perry, who might probably just be next in line just based on how long he's been here, um, was also working at left tackle today after he's been mostly at right. So. Uh, that's a dicey spot in terms of depth at tight end. They're a little, uh, the, you know, Prince of Fant was out the first couple of days or out or limited, but he's back and seems to be fine. Um, and that's another position where they're really thin. So uh, that's, that's sort of my early takeaways. And uh, obviously with the quarterbacks, uh, we've said this on the board, I think both Ryan and I have, and uh, the early vibes seem to be that it's probably going to be either Hinton Hooker or Joe Milton, but uh, anything you hear about the quarterbacks, you sort of have to take with a little bit of a caveat at this stage of preseason camp because they haven't had a scrimmage yet. That scrimmage will be Thursday, and that'll obviously be a big uh, situation with or, or a big deal for those quarterbacks. If, if you're going to want to be in this battle, you're going to have to perform in that setting, and I think there's probably a reason why uh, Alex Golish last week said that a week, week and a half would be uh, telling for the quarterback situation. That was about how far out their, uh, their scrimmage was. So. Yeah, I, yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've also heard that the two newcomers at quarterback are 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 kind of leading the way so far. But like you said, there's it's way too early to say. And before I talk about it, I'm going to see what Ryan what Ryan's got to say about it. Yeah, I, obviously on the quarterbacks, you know, same thing. We, we've I think it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a consensus that at this point that at least going into camp, I think the thought was, and and you know, again, we kind of thought this from the from the jump with just Tennessee adding another quarterback at that point in the year. But I think. I think Tennessee brought in Joe Milton with at least the thought that he might be the guy. I don't think they would have added a guy like that at that point in the year if it was just for depth or just to increase the competition. I think they felt they were adding someone who could be a difference maker there. So if if the competition plays out the way they think it might, I think I think Joe Milton might end up uh, having having a better chance than anyone else of being the guy. But he still has to earn it. You know, as Patrick said, haven't had a scrimmage yet. Um, but but he's off to a, a solid start, I think, and and nothing we've heard so far changes what we'd kind of heard around the start of camp, which is that Milton is, you know, if you had to pick a, a, a slight, slight favorite, it would probably be the guy. Um, but Hendon Hooker, I think, is, has generated some buzz, too, with just the offseason he's had and uh, certainly would not count him out. You know, I, I thought going into the spring game that he was the leader in the clubhouse at that time. It's just Harrison Bailey obviously had a very good spring game, and that's what fans got to see, too. And, and that, that, brought, that raised some questions about Hendon Hooker's game and how well he fit into this offense because of his – maybe not stretching the field enough. It sounds like he's put in a lot of work this offseason to remedy that a little bit and has, has made himself certainly more of a factor than, than a lot of people thought he would be a couple months ago. So uh, that that's where that, I, I think, stands right now, just based on what we've heard. Uh, a couple things that stood out to me because I didn't frankly get to see a single practice last fall or this spring because of COVID restrictions. So I, I've, I've probably had 
less of a feel for this team in some ways than, than I have in a while in terms of just, you know, seeing things firsthand, but I, you know, seeing the finished product on the field in fall camp is always interesting to me because you see kind of three fourths of a team in spring, usually because there are guys with surgeries and injuries that, that are always out. That was definitely the case with Tennessee this spring at linebacker and some positions like that, seeing all the transfers they've added to, I, I definitely feel like depth wise, they're in a much better spot right now, just seeing the full team out there than they were this spring. It, it seemed like a skeleton crew at a couple positions at times, certainly linebacker being the main one, but I think they're in much better shape depth-wise across the board with those transfer additions having patched things up and certainly the return of those linebackers. And then the position that kind of jumped out to me, the wide receiver group to me looks pretty good Agreed. and maybe pretty pretty deep. Um, I think they've got five, six, maybe seven guys they feel they could count on in a game. And how, how they use that group, how, how much they rotate and who emerges there, I think is is going to be a fascinating storyline because there are several guys mm-hmm. who I think have a, have a strong argument for playing and, and, you know, and in this offense, there, there might be enough balls to go around, but there might not, you know, who gets left out there and who ends up being the, the main targets in this offense will be fascinating, especially with the, an experienced senior being added to the mix, a guy with one year of eligibility and Javante Payton, who I think is kind of the wild card in that group. Does he start? Does he just contribute in the rotation? Where does he fit in and how does that affect other guys? Yeah, I've been yeah, on, that's a good, I've been on record saying, I think this is the fastest I've seen a Tennessee wide receiver core look in a while. I, I can't remember one from the past several years that to me just, you know, sort of has this many guys who can run that fast. Yeah. And, and to back, back that up, I mean, we saw a little bit more practice the first two days last week, but uh, in one-on-ones with, with those defensive backs, the wide receivers were winning a lot of those matchups. Um, and, and that's, you know, that that's what this offense is predicated on is it's, it's getting some of those guys in matchups out on the Island. Um, and, you know, there's, they've got, I think, some nice variety, too. It's not all just speed guys. You know, Cedric Tillman's a guy that can be sort of a big body out there. Um, and, you know, you even go down the list. Jimmy Callaway continues to, I think he's had a good start to the preseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anis Kobe is a guy that a lot of people don't think about that's, that's going to help this team. Peyton uh, looks the part. So that's a good point, Ryan, that you, you bring up that this receiving core looks like they've got something to work with. I, I still think this offense has everything that it needs to, to be – much improved but the big question is obviously the quarterback spot yeah and, and, on, and, and on, on, go ahead Ryan I was just saying and on defense I feel like we'll learn more about that group after the first scrimmage hopefully and, and as we go along to see how well they've patched things up but the name we keep hearing the most on that side of the ball I think continues to be Byron Young um, yes a lot of people just talking up how good he's looked how much progress he's made even since the end of spring practice you know, to me, the, the wild card on that side of the ball is how much do those additions in the secondary change things, if at all, do, do Brandon Turnage and Kamal Haddon factor in right away, or does it end up being the same four or five that we kind of saw out there at the end of spring practice uh, with, with mostly veterans who've played here before? Uh, that, that'll be interesting to see. But to me, the front seven, obviously a lot of unproven guys there or a lot of guys who played a lot of ball but not been stars uh, on the defensive line in particular. But But Byron Young is kind of the new exciting name in that group, and just based on what we hear so far, I think his teammates certainly expect him to be a pretty pretty big contributor on this team. Yeah, whenever they do those matchups and Byron Young's matched up against the second team offensive line, it's it's not really even a competition. Like it's, I mean, at least the day, a couple of the days that I was out there, watched a lot of the eleven on eleven, and and they had a really hard time uh, keeping Byron Young out of the backfield. He he was he was really really good in that group, and so I, I'd like to see him more against the ones. I'm sure they've done that when we've not been out there, but. 
he has looked really, really good in those settings. And I'll just say quickly on the quarterback situation, what I have heard, and again, I, I, didn't, I wasn't able to go to practice Monday morning, um, but what I've heard over the weekend was that the dynamics of Joe Milton are very, very exciting, but that the steadiness of Hendon Hooker cannot be ignored. He just kind of goes out there every day. He, he's understanding this offense. He's not making a ton of mistakes. He is a dynamic runner uh, to, for the quarterback position anyway. And he's a guy who's making some good throws also. So I, I think that Milton is the guy who, if Milton picks it up and becomes consistent, he can run away with this job because he is physically more gifted than the rest of them. But Hooker is a guy who, even more so than Bailey, I think Hooker's doing some of the things people thought Bailey would do in terms of being consistent on a daily basis. And I think that's getting some attention. That's a good yeah. point. Oh, go ahead, Patrick. Yeah, the, the thing about Hooker is that everybody forgets that because he didn't have the best spring game that that he was the first. He was with the ones in the spring game, and I don't I don't think that they just pulled those out of a hat that day. Uh, I think that was probably based on where they stood uh, after the the first fourteen practices. And Wes and I talked about this last week. It's hard for a guy like him to really shine in a practice setting because mm-hmm. his ability to make plays as a runner is sort of limited because if you get near them, they blow it dead or what have you. So there are plays where they're going to practice or a spring game, they get called a sack that he's probably good enough to, to get out of um, in, in an actual game. So, uh, but yeah, I, you know, talking to, you know, what Josie Halsey said last week about the summer that he's had and really improved his mechanics. I think that that sort of was maybe a tip that he um, sort of short up that game. It was a little bit of a question mark. Um, and, and, and so that's why, you know, maybe he got overlooked a little bit there because he wasn't the new transfer and he wasn't the guy that uh, a lot of people have sort of mag. I don't want to say what's the word magnetized himself to with Bailey. It seems like a lot of people, a lot of fans seem to, to want Bailey to be the guy for, uh, for whatever reason, but um, yeah, they, 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 yeah, hit, so they that, pitched to that wagon for sure. That That's why hooker has sort of flown. I don't want to say under the radar, but he's sort of the forgotten guy that, that should not be forgotten. I think he's very much in the mix there. The thing I want to point out with Young before, I know, Ryan, you were going to go next, but um, Mike Eckler said he went from 220 to 250. Uh, and that dude was already chiseled in spring. He was already looked like one of the – he had to be one of the first off-the-bus guys. And that was back in the spring for this team, and that's even more the case now. Um, but that, that sort of belabors a point that I want to make is we've talked to all these players, and just about every one of them has said, yeah, we've, we've had a – you know." We've dropped body fat. We've gained muscle. You know, Miles Campbell talking about shedding six percent body fat. I know Tyler Barron's lost some body fat. Um, Darnell Wright looks slimmer. Um, it seems that this team has had a really good uh, off season this summer. Now, the, the next team to have a bad summer will yeah. be the first, right? Yeah, Kate. I think Kate Mays dropped twelve pounds also. Right. So you, you see all these guys that are changing their bodies, and uh, people want to know that that's that's you know how workouts went. There, there are the results. Those are the, the numbers that, that are showing out. And, and we've heard a lot about Kurt Schmidt, who's Tennessee strength coach, that I don't think anybody knows anything about. He's sure. sort of this shadowy figure behind the scenes. Um, but he and his staff have apparently done a pretty good job with this team. And that's something Heifel pointed out the first day was that this team looks like they had a good summer. And so I think Young is sort of a, an example of that. But one one thing I was just going to add on Hendon Hooker, you know, from talking with him, in which we got nearly twenty minutes with him last week uh, before right. Tennessee's really first practice. Talk to him. Yeah, I took, and I took Milton and Grant took Bailey and West yeah. got Mauer. Yep. Yep. So uh, so yeah, that uh, talking to him that day, the the thing that really caught my attention, and and, and this is something we'll get into in, more in a minute, but uh, he he was one of the guys who who kind of mentioned he got into the sort of the the culture and the the improvements that had been made there, and he he said, and this to, this 
this was quite a statement to me for a guy who's been in another program for four years. He said, this is the most fun he's ever had with, with his teammates. Um, and for a fifth year player, that's, that's saying something. So, uh, especially being at a new school. So he's really enjoying himself there, but he also mentioned, and this, this, I mean, it, he, he seemed very at ease talking about the competition, you know, a guy in his situation could very easily, and, and, you know, maybe he wouldn't let on publicly anyway, but he could very easily feel pretty upset at the yes, situation. He, he, absolutely, he absolutely could. I mean, he came in to, uh, to play under a, a different staff uh, in January, obviously went through a coaching change, came out of spring practice, probably felt pretty good about where he stood. And then it wasn't really a surprise to him by that point, but Tennessee comes in and adds another quarterback who's got five games of starting experience at a power five school under his belt. So um, it, he, he probably felt pretty good at one point in the spring practice. And, and now suddenly he's got that much more competition to face, but he seemed very at ease with it and said, Hey, look, I, I've been in a competition for the starting job every year of my college career. Um, he started 15 games at Virginia tech. So I, I, I wouldn't say that gives him a leg up, but I think it is worth noting. He is very at ease. He's not going to feel the pressure of a, of a wide open competition like this. And you wonder if having been through that, having ridden the, the highs and lows before another school gives him sort of a, a, a calming sense for that offense and, and, and that might help him out in a competition like this where his steadiness, as you said, Wes, and his ability to take care of the ball because he really didn't throw a ton of interceptions at Virginia Tech, if those things might, might give him a little bit of a, an advantage in some way uh, as, if this competition does stay close for a while. Yeah, and I probably gave him the kiss of death because someone asked me going into camp like gun to your head, who's it going to be? And I don't know if it was on probably on the checkerboard or somewhere, or either on the checkerboard or Twitter or somewhere. Someone was like, gun to your head, who do you think it's going to be? And I said, nah, hooker maybe. Um, so I probably gave him the kiss of death there because, uh, you know, I, I just – I do believe Milton is the most physically gifted of the group. I don't think there was any question about that. I, I just think there's something about the the structure that, that they have with hooker that – I think he's going to be in the mix. I don't know exactly how they're going to – I don't know how it's going to work out. I mean, for all I know, you know, Bailey or Maurer goes out there and throws five touchdowns in a scrimmage and they're the starter. I mean, this thing's not over by any stretch. I just – Hooker's the guy I keep getting back to. Is He kind of feels like a security blanket a little bit. Here's the thing I think people need to, to keep in mind about Joe Milton. And Patrick had a great breakdown of this back in the spring that we should probably like repost or, or pin or something because I think a lot of people are going to want to refer back to it as we continue to discuss Milton, but he, he kind of broke down how he played last year at Michigan. You know, I didn't want to hook her too. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was, that was preparing him to play for Jim Chaney's offense. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, that feels like a year and a half ago now, but you're right. You did. So, uh, so, but in that breakdown, you know, I think one of the things that just from the people I've spoken with about Joe Milton is I think they're, they're confident that, Frankly, this offense might bring out some things you didn't see in Joe Milton at Michigan. Uh, as someone pointed out to me, how many great quarterbacks has Michigan put out under Jim Harbaugh? How many, not, how not many great offenses? How many great offenses has it yeah, had? Not, 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 to, not to just take a shot at that staff, but I mean, that's a fair criticism is that they've had some talented quarterbacks up there and haven't really put up a ton of great numbers with most of them. So, um, And that was not a very good Michigan team, obviously. And the other thing is some of the problems that Milton seemed to have up there were, you know, bad reads, you know, holding the ball too long, maybe in some cases, this offense is going to get the ball out of Joe Milton's hand pretty quickly. I think there's a lot of confidence in Tennessee staff. They can do that, um, that they can make things simpler for him, help him diagnose, you know, some plays maybe only having to read half the field and things like that. Um, that that's, that's going to make his job easier and make it uh, a more natural feel for him. I think to just, uh, to just settle into the offense and, and use his talent to make plays, which is what they want. So I think they're, 
they're confident they can get something out of him that maybe you didn't see last year at Michigan. So I think people writing him off as, you know, certainly I don't think the Jarrett Garantano comparisons are, are fair at all, but to, to, to get something out of him you didn't see in five career starts and really five starts you can't include anything about a quarterback anyway but that, well and that he also first he, year he also had the the big thumb injury that, that they didn't talk much about at yeah. the time because Harbaugh doesn't do that um, but he had at least one Pat might need to correct me it may have been one or two you know tears in his thumb I think it was more than one yeah, it was multiple torn ligaments. And I don't know how many ligaments you have in your thumb because I'm not a doctor, but it was more yeah. than one. Yeah, so he, so he, 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 that obviously makes it tough to throw a football. Go out there and you know tear a couple of your thumb ligaments and go out there and throw a football. That's probably not going to work out too well. So I think that's that's also yeah. a good part. Ryan, before we um before we move on here, we got a couple more things to talk about before we go to break. First off, uh, we don't have specifics yet, but we do know uh, that that K. Ron Calvert has been injured. Tennessee's. Um, you know, I guess you would call him now fifth-year senior offensive lineman, although he could come back for another year. Uh, a kid who, since high school, has always been so physically talented, like like future potential NFL player talented, and he's just had injuries to deal with since high school throughout his entire career. Seems like he's had another one. I don't want to get specific because, as Pat said, I'm not a doctor either. So it's somewhere in his arm, some sort, some maybe somewhere in his upper arm. He's got an injury, hasn't been to practice. If he's out for an extended period of time, guys, what does that mean for the offensive line? Uh, it means that they don't have uh, much depth at, at tackle, uh, as we kind of touched on earlier. I mean, it's once you get past Cade Mays and Darnell Wright, two former five stars, that you know is Cade is is tackle his best position. Probably not. He's probably guard at the next level. Uh, and Darnell Wright, everyone is sort of waiting for him to sort of put it all together. I think he's had good moments. I think he's probably been better than some have, have given credit for. I'm not going to name any names uh, here. Uh, <laughs> I'm Wait. on an island here. I'll just put it that way. Okay, um, okay. Get, I have never been convinced that Darnell Wright has done anything never, to prove he was a five-star class. prospect. I didn't say any names. You have to at some point. You have to go out there and produce. At some point, you got to go out there and produce. Yeah, but to me, offensive line is one of those positions where you only get noticed if you do wrong. Fair. Like you only get noticed if you get beat. Whereas you could be, you, know, you could play sixty snaps in a game. You could be perfect for for fifty-eight, and everyone's only going to remember the two sacks you gave up on third and ten. So. Uh, but yeah, but you, you have got those two guys, and your next guy is and, and Dane Davis made start, but he's a former walk on, right? Mm-hmm. Great story, and it's, he's more than just a great story. I think he's, uh, you know, he, he, he's he's a factor here. But once you get past those three guys, you've got you've got R.J. Perry, who's a redshirt freshman, hasn't played. You got William Parker, who's a freshman, and you got Jeremiah Crawford, who's been here about a month. So, not the greatest situation there, and and. and Perry and, and Parker are both guys that definitely look the part. They definitely look like tackles. They're huge dudes, long mm-hmm. arms, yeah, uh, athletic. They're six. I, I don't know what they're listed at, but they both are tall enough to be tackles. They look like you want tackles to look. There's just no no idea how how ready they are to, to be SEC players right now. Um, and those are guys that probably you would prefer to have two, three years for them to develop a little bit. Um, Ryan, you know better than this. But, you know Parker. I don't think he's played football that long, right? Um, and Perry was sort of a two-way guy that kind of did a lot of things. So yeah, P- Perry um, Perry six six three twenty five, and um, and Wright is I believe six five. Is what about what? Parker? Uh, Par- Parker Parker six five three twenty. Well, they they both look like you want tackles to look, but can they play football? They're probably not ready to be thrown into an SEC game right now. So, but that you know they're to the point now where. 
Tennessee's offensive line. I mean, who else can they throw out there at tackle legitimately? Probably no one. Let's just um, be honest. It's a, it's a, it's so a, those, it's a scary situation. So those guys have to be ready, and and that's that's the task that that LRB is facing, and I think that's probably why they're trying to get uh, Dane Davis as well, sort of to to be another guy that can play both right and left because they're probably going to need all three of those guys to play tackle over the course of the season. Yeah, and Davis well, is well, Davis is six seven three thirty, so physically he fits the bill. Well, we we spoke with Dane Davis on Monday too, and uh, re- really interesting. I mean, we, we've we've touched on his story a little bit before, but. He, he said he was going to go to Division II Tusculum if he had not gone to Tennessee. He got Pioneers. A, he got, a pre- got a preferred walk-on offer at Tennessee the day before signing day and said he didn't have to think about it. So um, that, those are the kind of guys I know fans fans love to hear those types of stories, guys who don't hesitate at all to, to jump at the chance to play at Tennessee. And he said he was, you know, he thought he could play here, and he's obviously proven himself right on that. So it's a, it's a cool story. But, um, yeah, I, one, one if people were wondering, too, I know junior college players people look to and say, hey, maybe – Maybe immediate help is there, uh, available if needed. Just, I mean, obviously, this is what we see is not even eleven on eleven. It's not, not even. We haven't had a full contact day or, or you know, tackling or anything to really see what those guys can do. But just early eyeball test. Jeremiah Crawford to me looks like a guy that's going to need some time to develop. So I, I don't think, kind of touching on what Patrick was was mentioning there. If you're looking for another tackle to emerge from that group, my guess is it's more likely to be a Perry or a Parker someone else uh, out of that bunch more so than Crawford. Maybe he proves me wrong this this camp, but to me he looks like a guy who's maybe going to need a year to, to come in and, and, and settle in and see out what he develops into. But uh, you, you do at least have some candidates there. And, and, and hey, Glenn Ellerby said Monday he feels he's got about nine or ten guys who can play. So that the good news is they have options. The downside is without Karon Calvert, if he does miss a lot of time, uh, you're, you're maybe down to three tackles that you really trust. And so that's a, that's a position where we know they have not had a ton of depth the last couple of years. And, and that's, that's going to be a spot. It looks like where they can't afford, at least for the first part of the season, cannot afford uh, a serious injury or, or don't want to have to deal with that because Cade may is even uh, you know, a little bit of a stretch, maybe a tackle, but I think wants to play there maybe this year to help his NFL draft stock a little bit. And uh, that, that gives him a chance to, to show what he can do. He, Georgia wanted to play in there, so I mean, he's certainly capable, but you've got three tackles, and you don't want to have to be uh, kind of having your back against the wall at that spot, so they need to stay healthy. Yeah, you don't want to – Go ahead, Pat. Cade might be um, – he, he might be a good – he might be good to use a tackle because I think they've got some good guards Yes. Um, with the inside guys. I think Carvin and, and Sprackets, I think, have, uh, are, are pretty good in, interior duo to pair with uh, Carvin, but – when you get down to three guys for for two spots, it's 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 a pair and a spare, right? Yep. Shout out Steve Stripling. That's all you got. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to be in a situation where you're having to move Carvin or Spragans to tackle in an emergency because you, now, you now just, Carvin did say that he can play yes. right tackle. He did say that after Monday's practice. He, he, he did something he, to keep in the back of the, of, of the. Monitor. He did in high school. He did in high school. He so would be the I guy mean, probably if they had to move somebody out there. I would imagine he would be the guy, but they don't want to be in that spot. For sure. Guys, uh, before we go to uh, a break here, we, we do need to mention this. Uh, since we've had our last podcast, Tennessee has picked up a commitment, um, another receiver to add to the mix. Ryan, what can you tell us about this young man with a fabulous name? I was going to say, uh, if I know you, Wes, I know you are loving uh, the addition of Chaz Nimrod, yes. uh, wide receiver yes. uh, from, out of Bentonville, Arkansas. That's uh, that's in the uh, in the Fayetteville area there. And, and uh, you know, a lot of people might wonder why was Arkansas not involved there? Uh, they were for a long time. Uh, and actually, a lot of people thought he was going to end up there. Uh, and Arkansas just kind of filled up at receivers. So this is a 
I think this is a nice, nice pickup for Tennessee. Uh, not a name we had really heard a lot about. Uh, we knew he was on Tennessee's radar a little bit, uh, but you know, we weren't sure what was going to come of it because they've had Caden Pope and uh, Alec I Manor and, and, and some other options there that have been in play for a while. And, you know, are, were they going to need another receiver target? Well, he came to, uh, to Tennessee the, the last weekend of July for, uh, for Tennessee's little cookout. They, they called it a Rocky Top Palooza, uh, the, the little event there to, to kind of wrap up the don't summer. Don't love the name. Don't love the name, but yeah. that's another thing for another day. Take it or leave it, you know. Uh, if you're going to name it, there's only so many names out there. But, uh, but yeah, so they, they had him in for that, that weekend, and he, he got to go through a private workout as, as class of 2022 prospects got to do this summer uh, during those summer visits, and his, he worked out really well. He timed in the four-five range. He said it was, he thinks it was a four-five-four, um, so good speed. And he's a bigger receiver, around six-two or so, uh, so pretty good size. They, they could use another outside receiver in this class, certainly. I, I think he just worked out well enough that they said, you know what? Uh, how can we turn this guy down? We don't know yet if we're going to get Alec Iomander. We, we don't know. You know, Caden Pope might be more of a slot guy if you get him. So. Uh, you know, just sort of some uncertainty there. And I think they saw a guy they liked and that they had good feedback on. They've got relationships with his coach at his school. Um, Josh Heupel's staff at UCF actually signed a linebacker from that same school. So they know the coach well. Uh, Alex Golish knows the coach as well. Uh, so, if, and Cody Burns is from Arkansas and, and is uh, that, that coach is certainly familiar with, with Cody Burns from being over there. So, so having a few connections there that, you know, where they could kind of vouch for the, um, for the reviews of the player they were getting, I think made them feel even more comfortable with them. So th- those types of things help and, and just feeling they're getting a good player there. Uh, Michigan just offered right around the time Tennessee did Purdue as well. Uh, Indiana week before that. So his stock was still rising 20 plus offers. Uh, nice pickup. I think, you know, we'll, we'll, time will tell how the, the receiver position plays out, but that's three receivers in this class now. And, and between, uh, between Nimrod, Cameron Miller and, uh, and squirrel white, a, a pretty, a, a, a nice diverse group that you've got, you know, taller guy, kind of a mid-sized guy, and then the small slot guy with a lot of speed. It's a it's a nice group, I think, considering it's not uh, a bunch of four-star guys, but I think some nice finds and, and some guys who are really talented, especially Miller. Everybody knows I'm pretty high on Miller's talent, but yeah, uh, I think yeah, at least. But, but he's got the worst name of the three, really. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, the most the most mundane or normal, I guess, name of the three. But uh, but yeah, definitely, I, I think a nice addition to the group and. And we'll see how it plays out, but uh, but people should know, you know, Arkansas definitely was involved, and again, Michigan had just offered around the same time, so this is not just a, you know, a reach on a guy that didn't have a bunch of big offers. I think this is a guy who people are starting to find as a bigger receiver who can run, and Tennessee just liked him enough in person they they couldn't pass him up. Another another victory for Tennessee over Jim Harbaugh, which I imagine will make at least one member of our staff pretty pretty pleased. And uh, I won't. Uh, he he doesn't have to come out and emerge right now, but. Uh, I think we all know who that is. Guys, we are way, way, way overboard here on the first segment on getting to our break. We're going to step away for a second, pay some bills, uh, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, other fun things, and we will be right back here in a second to take your questions from the mailbag on this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a a beautiful, a little, little steamy uh, of a Monday afternoon, but a pleasant Monday afternoon, nonetheless, here in God's Own, Knoxville, Tennessee, coming to you just a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium, where obviously we're, we're primarily, or, or exclusively, I should say, talking Tennessee football in this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Not just me, joined by Patrick Brown from his undisclosed location, and Ryan Callahan from his home daycare center. Got plenty to discuss. Got a lot of your questions that we're going to take here in this segment, and we're, we're going to get to them. Uh, but before we do that, really quickly, guys, quick reminder, we're doing all this for y'all, uh, not that we're patting ourselves on the back. We're just doing our jobs. But reminder that we're doing this for free. We do this Goval 24-7 podcast for free. Uh, it's a labor of love. We love to do it. We're happy to bring it to you. But we ask only a couple things in return. If you could take 90 seconds out of your day right now, go subscribe to this podcast, whether you're on uh, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Please go in there and rate and review this podcast. It goes in and, 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 and tell your friends about it too. We, we, we always appreciate that word of mouth. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's no problem there. But if you could hit that subscribe button on all those services, listen to them on those services, uh, and give a rating and review, that would help us out a lot. So please, please, please go in there and do that. Also, a reminder, you can go to uh, Homefield or homefieldapparel.com, go in there, get all that good Tennessee gear and, and go in there and uh, get all you want. And when you go to the checkout, put in code VOLS247, V-O-L-S-247, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Thanks to the people at Homefield again for doing that and for, for being a partner with us on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Guys, are, are y'all ready for, for questions? Are you ready? Do you, do you feel good about it? Yeah, let's do it. Wes, I, I stay ready, so I don't have to get ready. Well, I'm I'm just I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. You never know. Let's get. We to haven't it. talked to the people in a while. It, it's it's long overdue, as you said. So we, yeah, we got to get to it. Yeah, we got a bunch of them too, and we're, we'll get to them as many of them as we can as time allows. Here, I'm looking at the clock as we're doing this, uh, but we will start it off, and we will, as always, start on the Go Balls 24/7 checkerboard. Uh, said, here's a question from Vol for Life 94. Uh, the question is, I uh, love this segment coming back with the Longhorns and Sooners joining the SEC. Where do their mascots rank in a battle royale against the rest of the SEC? Good question. Well, Bevo is pretty cool. Um, yeah. It's an actual Longhorn. Um, I, I don't. I still don't really know what a Sooner is, so I'm going to put that near the bottom. Yeah, I, I, will, I, I will say this. Smokey uh, is still uh, really good at, at sort of hurting things. I know we got a couple of blue ticks who boss everything at the family farm, so including a lot of cattle that they boss around, including some bulls. So they're they're still pretty high up there on that list, I would think. They, they upgrade the SEC's mascot game overall. They're definitely a plus in that area. They, they aren't huge, 
huge additions in every area, especially uh, conference chemistry, I would say, <laughs> when you consider Texas, Texas's history, as we've discussed before. But they definitely improved the uh, the mascots overall. As Patrick said, Bebo is pretty, pretty strong. And, uh, you know, there's some other good ones, Uga, Smokey, Mike the Tiger, all that. But. Uh, yeah, Bevo's a nice addition in particular. Yeah, Texas. I, I can't think of I, I can't think of the Sooner. Is it the Sooner Scooter? Is that what it is? I can't think about that thing without thinking about the time that it tipped over. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> fantastic. Does that make me? Is that am I a bad person? No, no, no. Because I, it's the same thing with me and skateboarders. Like I have nothing personal against skateboarders, but I love it when they fall down. I'm not going to lie. I do. Uh, and I will say this too. Um, Texas as a partner in the conference, sort of like that, that girl you see in a bar, you see her out somewhere. She's really, really good looking. She's, she's, let's just say it, she's hot. And, and then you start dating her and then you realize, oh my God, she's insane. Uh, and then you're like, she takes some of the makeup off and you're like, oh, without the makeup, you're not nearly as pretty and you're still insane. Oh no. That, that's sort of Texas as a, as a dating partner in the conference. That's sort of how things go in the long run with Texas. Sounds like you're speaking from experience, Wes. Uh, I am happily married, Patrick Brown. I am happily married. <laughs> All right, married. next question. Next question uh, from... Get too off track here. Go, oh, whatever, that's what this segment's for. Go Big Orange 18. He said, got a couple questions uh, from each level. Uh, from y'all's observations, it sounds like Matthew Butler is rising to the top of the D-line. Any other standouts, or is it still just a sack of potatoes? I would say it's still a very, I mean, again, they've only played like what three days in shoulder pads. So let's wait and see. But so far I would say no one has emerged from that group to the point that you feel like they've got a star there. Um, now they, some positive reviews on some guys. Dejon Terry has gotten some, mm-hmm. uh, some, some summer buzz. Uh, Omari Thomas is a guy we heard some good things about uh, on Monday. So, I mean, there, there've been some guys who've gotten some compliments at times, but, I still think that's a group that's going to have to prove it a little bit more on the field before you feel significantly better about anything they've added. But but a couple of nice veteran additions in Caleb Tremblay and, and Dejon Terry to kind of offset the losses of Greg Emerson and, and Darrell Middleton. Yeah, Matthew Butler did lose. I think he told me he's, he's lost like 8, 10 pounds and 1% body fat, but he's faster than he was last year too, so he's had a good spring uh, and a good summer in the offseason workout program, I should say. Uh, next question, uh, any early intel on Jawan Mitchell, who was the linebacker transferred from Texas? Does he seem to be obviously the best option in the linebacker group, or is he still part of the pack? Well, I, I would be surprised if he's not starting against Bowling Green. Agreed, um, he, he, he looks like you would expect a, a big-time linebacker to look like. Uh, he's not as big as I thought he was. Uh, which probably is a good thing because that was sort of one of the knocks on him at Texas was uh, he, he was maybe not as uh, adept in coverage as he was seeing, you know, being a guy in the box that, that filled gaps in the run game and stuff like that. So uh, that might be a good thing. I, I always hear that stuff about how linebackers can't cover. And I'm like, well, most of the time they're going against wide receivers. Show me a linebacker that can cover a receiver that that's not, you know, in the NFL. Exactly. Um, so that, that's sometimes I think an unfair knock on linebackers if they get picked on in coverage, but um, I think he'll play a lot. Um, and, and you know, Tim Banks before uh, going into going into the preseason said that they really liked how he was sort of a a see ball, go get ball guy. They got a they got a couple of, uh, of those guys uh, in Mitchell and Banks. I think will eventually become the guys there. But uh, but yeah, that's the the early intel on him. Yeah, I'm not. I gonna, will say I, I'm not going to rule out uh, Pat Garland either. I, I think he's been. He's been running with the ones, he and Page. I mean, I know that they're that's probably a, a, a byproduct of them making Banks 
and Mitchell go prove it now that they're back. I think that's a fair thing to do. Um, but but Garland and Page have been running with the ones and stuff that I've seen. Um, Page, as we all know, super smart kid, really smart kid, really bright future, probably away from football, but really, really smart kid. And the guy is a pretty good athlete, um, but he's always been undersized. But now Page does not look undersized compared to the rest of the Tennessee's linebackers because Tennessee's inside linebackers are small. They are not big. They are all like, you know, I think maybe – you know, the freshman Willis might be the biggest one of them. They're just, other than Banks, they're just not a big group. They look like there are a lot of them are 215, 225, 220, just not a big group. Uh, I think that's what you want at linebacker these days. And that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of what, like, it's a space game. You know, they're going to run a lot of 425 uh, this season as they've done under previous staff. So that's part of it. I, I, I was just going to throw in that kind of under the radar, one of the storylines I'm fascinated to see because that early intel, that I've heard so far, I think is Jawan Mitchell is very likely to start to, to what Pat's uh, mm-hmm. previously said. But I, I think, I think the dynamic there with he and Jeremy Banks is interesting because they do play a little bit similarly. Does this staff want to get someone else out there next to say Jawan Mitchell who can play a little more in space and not be as much of an in the box linebacker or are they, are they okay with two guys who are sort of more in-the-box linebackers being the two in those nickel packages. That, that to me, is a fascinating storyline, how that all plays out. But I do think if you were handicapping that race at linebacker, Mitchell probably the favorite, even though, as you said, Wes, they gave the, the guys who were out there this spring sort of the early leg up to running with the ones or whatever on the first day. I, I think they're just making Mitchell and those guys earn it, like you said. And, and Mitchell, I think, is the one most likely to start. But Jeremy Banks is certainly – a guy that's played a lot of football before and, and has a pretty good claim to some playing time too. Uh question here, last one from Go Big Orange 18 is what are y'all's thoughts on Danico Slaughter and the star position this year? I'll say quickly, uh, he and Theo Jackson are two of the guys prominently mentioned right now in that star position, but y'all go ahead, Pat or Ryan, if you got anything else to add. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sort of, I don't know that Theo is a, is a, is a nickel guy. Uh, he's a safety, but, um, it's almost what do you want at that position? Do you want a guy that's purely coverage or do you want a guy that's maybe more of a, a blitzer, a guy that's sort of like a, a smaller linebacker that can play near the box? Uh, I will say this about Theo. He, he Talking to him last week, he, he made it sound like they kind of just threw him in at nickel in the South Carolina game. I don't want to say on a whim, uh, but he didn't sound like he worked there very much. And, of course, that that game, it was kind of a, a makeshift deal in the secondary. They had Warren Burrell at safety because – Jalen McCullough had been in quarantine, and so they just they had Bryce Thompson starting and save. They just had to sort of patch that thing together, um, and he was a guy that 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 the old staff threw in there, and and he kind of had to sink or swim, and he ended up playing there pretty much the whole season because Sean Schamberger was so uh, he he was he either wasn't there or he was not playing well when he was there. So um, I, I think Theo is probably more comfortable there. I, I think what should be underestimated about him playing that spot is. Um, he's a guy that this staff, I think, can trust to know what he's going to – they know he's going to do what he's supposed to do. Athletically, can he hold up if – you know, I think that's a tough position for him maybe because he is a safety by trade. Um, and a lot of the offenses now are putting their best guys in the slot. So can he cover those guys? That, I think that will be – could be a tough ask for him. But, uh, again, that might be a, a guy that, um, that, that that's just one of those guys that they trust to, to do what he's supposed to do, and, and that's enough to get him on the field. Slaughter, as I mentioned, I, I've always liked him as a prospect, but me, me too. Uh, and, and he's in that he's in the mix there. But we'll have to see 
uh, if that leads to anything more. Next question. Totally different staff, but la- I was going to say last year, he just fell off the radar after starting the first game. So I think that clearly showed Slaughter is more of a work in progress. I- I'd give the leg up to Theo just because Tim Banks on the first day when we asked about Nichols, that was the first name out of his mouth. And he didn't hesitate. So early, early in that race, obviously, but I think they trust Theo, like Patrick was saying. Next question. He loud noises dropped a few of them on us here. He dropped a bunch of questions. First one. We got to go rapid fire on loud noises just to discourage this eight question in one. Yeah, we. And <laughs> so. although in fairness, I used to say the Come rule, on, guys. Loud noise, you're better than that. I, I used to say one per post, not per poster, but one per post to make it easier. Uh, but he said, "Here, here's the first one from from loud noises." Uh, our players seem to really like Josh Heupel. I know some of the UCF fans were fine with him leaving because of the perception they were getting worse each year. I don't recall seeing much of a reaction from their players, and I'm too lazy to look it up. Did they seem sad to see him go? Coaches uh, never – well, players are never made available after coaching changes, it seems like, so we never really heard right after that. But I think that sort of got lost in the fact that they hired Gus Malzahn. So hiring a big-name coach I think took away from – some of the disappointment I think they, they might've felt, I, I wouldn't say it's an over, nothing I've heard says it was an overwhelming sense of like, Oh my gosh, we're, we're really upset. He left. We loved him, but I mean, they hired Gus Malzahn. So it's hard for UCF players to be too upset because yeah, he's a pretty well, well-known there, coach. There wasn't a mass exodus like there was at Tennessee. And we, if we're being fair, we need to mention that. So for whatever it's worth, is that unfair? I don't really remember because January was sort of a blur for me. Yeah, I mean, yes, I, I mean, so, so far the important thing is a coaching search. So I don't really remember all what happened that stuff. But very fair point. Uh, I'll tell you this: I, I think that they, the players right now, like him, which is the most important thing, and, and so they like him and his staff. So that's where things are for Tennessee right now, and they are very much on the same page. And you are hearing a whole lot about the culture more than you did last year and oh, the year before. A whole lot. So it's been a, it's been drastically different, and some of these guys have been surprisingly candid while discussing that. Uh, let's see here. Next question I'll get to. Uh, someone's going to win this quarterback race, obviously, over under at 2.5. How many of the current four quarterbacks are on Tennessee's roster next year? Over under at 2.5. I say over and go with three. I was leaning over two, but I – I still Hendon Hooker to me is the variable. I, I don't know what's going to happen with him. He's got one more year of eligibility left after this year. Let's assume Joe Milton is the guy and doesn't lose the job throughout the rest of the year. If you're him, how do you stick around? And then I think if Harrison Bailey wasn't the guy, he would definitely be to me a guy to. to I'm at least saying watch I'm saying under. I'm, I would bet I'll, under. Yeah, I'm talking myself into the under. So I'll say two. I think they lose a couple of these before next, before the start of the 2022 season. How's that? That sounds good for me. Guys, next question. Uh, Loud Noise has also said, I'm an unapologetic stargazer. Let's say four of the current three stars get bumped up to fours. Who are they? Um, man, that's tough. Uh, all right. So I'll start with Cameron Miller. Uh, obviously, I, I, I'm a big believer in his ability. He was a four star in the composite before. I think he can certainly needs get nick- back there. St- still needs a nickname, though, but we'll work on that. Yeah, needs a strong season, but I think he's very, very capable of that, especially playing at the school he he is playing at. He's not facing the toughest competition in the state. I think he'll have a big, big year and be a Mr. Football candidate at least over there. Uh, Brody Foley is already a four-star in 24-7 sports ranking, so I think he by default has to be part of that group. We'll see if others see it the way our guys do, but they they moved him up after he committed to Tennessee, so I think there's a lot of confidence in him. The Tennessee Um, bump, it exists. (laughs) <laughs> UTB, um, UT bump. Uh, just throwing out a couple other possibilities out there. I, I'll go with uh, Jordan Phillips just because he's a guy that racked up some pretty good offers in the summer uh, before committing to Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, schools like that all offered in June. So I, I think he 
he's one that Tennessee might end up having some competition to hold on to. Uh, and I could see his stock continuing to rise beyond that. I wouldn't say there are any obvious, obvious candidates for that, but you know, there are a few that, you know, maybe squirrel white, maybe, uh, um, maybe a guy like, uh, Brian Grant, if he just blew, blew up this fall playing offensive tackle for the first time, you know, he's got a long athletic frame. He's just sort of in a part of Florida that doesn't get seen a whole lot in Fort Walton beach. So maybe someone like that, I, the, the real answer to the question is I don't know if there are four really strong candidates, but I think there are at least a few worth watching. And so, and more importantly, maybe some other guys who could move up and become higher three stars, at least if they have good seasons. That's where I think they can make up some ground. Next question. Uh, I'll answer it first. Have any of y'all ever farted in a skillet? Um, which is a reference to something that special teams coach Mike Eckler said uh, late last week. I will say, I'll answer first, no, I have not. Um, however, I probably will now because I am fascinated and I want to see what happens. <laughs> I want to meet the person who has. That's, that's, that's my answer, and no, I have I, not. But. I, I, I will say not only have I not done that, I also had never heard that phrase before last week. Nope. Yeah, but actually, let me let me rephrase that. I will fart in Ryan's skillet next time that like we're on a road trip and we go to. That sounds gross. No, hold on. When we go, like you know, we meet at someone's house to go on a road trip to cover a game. I'll be like, "Hey, Ryan, can I use your restroom real quick?" And then I'm going to run to the kitchen and fart in his skillet. That's what I'm going to do. Just telling you right now, it's going to happen. Rude. Uh, where does Coach Eckler rank among the most e- e- eccentric coaches that you've covered? Well, well, I've never heard anybody use the phrase fart in a skillet and he's first. And this was after dropping a Days of Thunder reference. And he was talking about RLDs, real live dudes. Uh, and he was saying one hundy. So I'm going to go with Heckler. Uh, Mike Heckler is one hundy at the top of that list. Yep. Top of the list for me, too. There have been some there have been some quirky ones, but, you know, he's got. Tennessee fans loving posts about hot chili on Twitter. So I definitely top of the list for me. Yeah. Ogre would, well, Ogre would be up there. Not everybody, for me. not, a, not everybody liked the hot chili video that they put out right at the start of camp. Yeah. There was somebody like, this is terrible. Focus on winning football games replies to that tweet. And go watch like, some film. Yeah. Go watch some film. Like this is supposed to be fun. Y'all like everybody needs to relax. Yeah. And I'll, yeah. Go on yeah. Or, or would be up there for me, but he was, sometimes eccentric and sometimes just a regular Cajun who are naturally eccentric people. So it's hard to really compare there, but he'd be up there on the list for me. Uh, next question. Uh, most, what's the record for most questions submitted by a mailbag podcast user? I will you, say you loud noises. You win. Uh, I think a couple of years ago we instituted the policy of one per post because someone did double digits. I don't know who it was, but it's been done before. And it wasn't, it wasn't Blake. It wasn't Blake digits. Was it? No, because Blake digits is usually pretty good about going one per post. He usually follows well, now the rules. Now we're giving him ideas now. La- here's the last one from Loud Noises. Uh, we'll be really quickly on this, and it'll just be Ryan probably. Is Tennessee even trying with Arch Manning at this point? I mean, I think they are a little bit, but I think you would reasonably have to say, and, and things will start up more September 1st when schools can actually directly contact these kids on social media and stuff for the first time uh, in the 2023 class. But I, I think you realistically have to consider Tennessee – very much on the outside looking in in that race until further notice. He didn't visit there this summer. He visited a lot of other places. And, yeah, maybe he's familiar with the program and all that. But Peyton being his uncle to me does not give Tennessee enough of an end to overcome everybody else being a big, big factor in that one in Tennessee having some serious ground to make up. Moving on to Blake Digits, uh, he had a couple good questions. Who is the number three receiver on this team, and how much does freshman tight end Miles Campbell play this year? 
Well, who are the first? Who are receivers one and two? On the team? I, I think I, they're assuming. I think Bayless, he, Jones I think he's assuming Hyatt. Jones and Hyde. Although I'm not sure that's a safe assumption right now. But yeah, I agree. Well, I think Hyde. I think Hyde will be the number three receiver on the team. I, I kind of do too. I, I, I'm, the, I'm the, buying. I'm buying the Jimmy Callaway stock. Right yeah, now. I am too. I am all aboard the Jimmy Callaway Express right now. If you're assuming that those two are the top two, which I agree is not a safe assumption because I mean. How, how will this staff use those guys? I don't think we know for sure. Is one of them a slot guy? Um, you know, they both are kind of built like slot guys. One of them has to pl- probably play outside. Uh, if one of them plays in the slot, you know, who who does that open up a spot for? I, I it could be to answer the question under this poster's premise. It could be Javante Payton. Um, I, I agree, Jimmy Callaway very much in that mix too. But if Payton starts, uh, whether he's uh, number three statistically or whatever, he might be that third guy. That people are kind of waiting to to emerge if if Hyatt and Bayless Jones end up being you know kind of the top two in people's minds. Yeah, I, I see at least the problem is I see at least six guys who I think almost kind of have to play if they're healthy. Um, Cedric Tillman. Yeah, um, and, and and the reason I say Tillman is one because he's a ninja. Uh, that that's one. Number two is he just offers something that the rest of the guys on that core don't. I mean, he's big, physical, and there is a need for that, especially if they're going to have some depth issues at tight end. I just think Tillman's physicality is something that's going to have to be in the mix. But, but I, I'll say, as the six guys I've seen who I think have to play that I've noticed so far would be Jones, Callaway, Hyatt, uh, Peyton, Tillman, and Holiday. I think all six of those guys kind of have to play. The, the, the practices... Go ahead. No, I would probably put Kobe in the top six, but um, yeah, he's he's right there on the fringe the, for me. Yeah, my my question with Tillman is, can he get separation um, consistently? I think these other guys can. Uh, it's a kind of clarify around something you were saying. I think from what we see in practice, Callaway and, and Hyatt are both running out of the slot, so I would think that they would continue to do that. I think that's probably uh, where they could be used best because they could be. Uh, one-on-one guys, uh, but yeah, I, 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 know think they're, I, I think they're both going to play a lot. I don't think receiver is a position where who starts is really that right. important because you're going to play a lot of guys. And, you know, it, you know, talking about, you know, Callaway, we talked to him the other day, he said that we pretty much run all of the time. That's a position where you're going to need six, seven guys to play because those guys are going to run a lot in this offense. I, I'll say, I'll say this too. I think I know the staff brought in Javante Payton, because they wanted another guy to play on the outside. So that, that, that tells me one of those guys has to be a slot guy. I think that, I think it's, it's set up very much for Peyton to have a good chance of being a starter on the outside, but he's got to win it obviously. So is it Tillman? Is it someone else or is it Peyton? So I I think Peyton could be statistically that two or three guy, but where he fits in obviously remains to be seen. Yeah. And there's a long way to go in camp. So we'll see. On Campbell, I think he's going to play more and more throughout the year. Agreed. I really like him. I know Ryan has really liked him. I know the staff really likes him. Um, I remember watching him in the spring and be like, this kid moves really well. He's a really natural pass catcher. Um, question is, can he hold up physically? Can he block? Uh, I know that in this offense, they're not going to be in-line tight ends that have to block defensive ends all that much. Um, but if he can uh, – as he continues to get better there, I think they'll they'll be able to rely on him more, and um, I think he'll he'll get on the field more as the season goes on. Oddly, one thing that that made me think even more that Campbell is going to play a fair amount this year, especially as it progresses. There was one drill uh, early in camp where he he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He hit the sled, he moved it, he did the form was perfect, and Alex Golish celebrated like like a they had just won the Super Bowl. 
when this happened. So to me, that's telling me, oh my God, I need this kid to block. I know he can do everything else. When he's going to block like this, I'm excited. So that to me, because he didn't do that for a lot of the other guys. He, he did it for that one right there. And that showed me that how much they need him to block, how much they need him to play. Right? Well, the other guys even... Golis even on the the first day they talked was like I've never played a freshman at tight end and he was like but I'm okay saying that Miles can play as a freshman at tight end so that says a lot about what they think of him. Next question: They, they oh, definitely expect Campbell to play and I, Hunter Sam Hunter Salmon is the other one that I think will play some at least in in situations where they need more of a blocker. I think they trust him quite a bit. I also don't know if I'm ever going to say Salmon because it's yeah I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not totally yeah, sure honestly. It's, it's Salmon, so I'm sorry, young man. I'm gonna I'm gonna. <laughs> Unless he wants to come on this podcast and correct us personally, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, we could pay him to get him on the podcast. You know that's that's in the rules now. That's NIL. True. We're going to here, here we're going to nil you so you can tell us exactly how your name is pronounced and then we will correct it for you. That's what we will do. Uh, next question, Stallion Vall. We're, we're wrapping up here. We only got a few more. Stallion Vall says, on a scale of one to ten, covering UT football in your career, where do you rank the talent depth on this roster compared to other U teams? other UT teams that you've seen so far, one being the least deep, 10 being the deepest? Uh, that's a tough question. I'd have to really think five, about it. Five? Um, four, five, five, maybe? Not one, it's, I'd say. Definitely not one. <clears throat> no, I mean, for me, the, the 15 and 16 teams are probably the deepest. Uh, the offense in 2012 was pretty stacked. I think just about everybody on that offense at some point played in the NFL or got an NFL chance. Maybe a couple of guys didn't, but – um, but yeah, other, otherwise it's kind of been, I don't want to say crap because that's just kind of disparaging to some of these guys, but, uh, <laughs> I think the thinnest I mean, team I remember is that what the 2010 team right after Lane Kiffin left and they had a lot of turnover both yeah, that year and the year before team. that was the third head coach that, in three years team. Yeah. They had like 58 guys on scholarship at one point, I think. So yeah. it, it, it was pretty bad there for a little bit. Uh, this team's a little, little noticeably and noticeably better off depth wise than that. It's not so deep. They can afford a bunch of injuries, but they at least have a solid two deep and, and then some freshmen beyond that they could throw in there talent wise if they needed to. So I'd say, Mike, off the top of my head, four, something like that. It's not it's not bottom two or anything like that to yeah, me. Yeah, I, I would say probably somewhere between four and five, so I'll settle on 4.5. I think that I started covering the program in 2000, so those first few years, they had a lot of depth on those teams. Like So so I that, that was the, the higher-end depth-wise that I've seen with them. And, and so now I would say four, 4.5. I mean, there's some areas like tight end, offensive tackle – um, where I, you know, a couple guys go down and they're hurting pretty bad. So that's the 13 team was also pretty thin after coaching changes. It tends to happen that you just have that turnover and you get depleted for a year and then you kind of replenish the numbers and, and you're okay again. First question here from a uh, G Drennan two, uh, which sophomores, uh, do y'all expect to make the biggest impact this year? I mean, off the top of my head, Tyler Barron's a really easy answer. So is, I suppose Jalen Hyatt and Callaway. Jabari Small. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Go. Jabari Small for sure. Uh, uh, yeah, I would. There, there's some other second year guys who, I mean, not sophomores. 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 Yeah, Cooper Mays. I was gonna say, yeah, if, if we're if we're just saying second year guys, D Beckwith could play more, um, but he's a redshirt freshman, I believe. Um, and Danico Slaughter, same same deal, could play more. We'll, we'll see about that that nickel race, but yeah, there there's several candidates for that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, o- o- I mean o- Omari Thomas, Javante Spragan. Yeah, um, Thomas is a good one. You know, they're gonna play a, a lot. I, I would imagine that. Um, someone we could be talking about. I just like him so much as a player. I don't know exactly what he's going to do, but Tamarian McDonald is a guy who 
if he's healthy, he's going to be doing something. I mean, he's just a good football player. Could play more as the year goes along. My other one would be Amari Thomas, just because Rodney Garner is like on his. Can I, can I say ass on this podcast? Yes, you can. It's it's allowed. Uh, Rodney Garner is chewing Amari's ass about eighty five percent of the time that I'm around the defensive line, so that must mean that he thinks he has a chance to be pretty good. So, I mean, I think some of the sophomores that they've kept, I think a lot of them are pretty solid players who are, you know are going to you know, and then you got guys like you know Eason and Joseph who might be more of an impact guy later in their career, but mm-hmm. I think are really good potential prospects of guys who could play. So, yeah, I mean, I think that 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 second class, second to last, I guess it would be the last class Pruitt signed was not a bad class. I think the ones they kept are – there's some talent there. Um, I agree. How, how well that class develops the next two years will probably play a big part in how, how quickly Tennessee can get back up because that there's some talent in that class they need to be pretty good eventually. Ooh, here's a tough question. Uh, also from G Drennan too, what's something y'all think the previous staff was doing better than the current staff at this point in their tenures – Bonus points for any answer other than recruiting. Uh, my answer is they were using the word I eat more. Yeah, that's a big <laughs> one. I, I legitimately don't know. I can't remember uh, like six months ago, much less what was going on in the summer of 2018. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it to me would go back to recruiting, but because that, that staff wasn't taking over a problem, a program with NCAA issues. So, I mean, I mean, yeah. that's the thing that, that that staff allegedly caused. So, you know, that, 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 makes it difficult so i think that would make it a, an unfair thing to to answer um but but a lot of it gets down to that i mean i think the, the the way that they've got guys in the building together you're seeing more camaraderie the last staff was much more business so you know business-like and i it depends on which kind of guys you're recruiting if you're going to recruit guys who are business-like then you can be business-like as a coach and that's awesome it doesn't matter however if you are recruiting guys who need that sort of family vibe then you know you can't be doing that you know, it just and I think a lot of the guys who stayed here are appreciating the new way more. Yeah, I, I, I'm racking my brain. I really can't think of anything where there's an obvious difference. I think it, it, at that best, there are some things that you could say are about a wash, but it's a, a lot of things that you would at least say slight exa- advantage to Hypel staff on how they've handled them so far. And like you said, on recruiting, it's hard to say. It's hard to weigh anything this staff has done in recruiting just because of it's hard to really measure how how much they've been hamstrung by everything they've dealt with. A question from Grant Ramey, who is not here, and he's an idiot. Uh, He said, I've got a question. (laughs) Number one, how dare you? Number two, why are you the way that you are? Um, I guess I would say my parents for the second one is part of it. And um, uh, I dare you because we got to do this, right? Do y'all got a better answer than that? I mean, we got to do the podcast. Yeah, I mean... Why are we wasting time on Grant Ramey when he's not here? That's my question. Good point, idiot. What an idiot. Just in case you're, in case you want me to, to to wonder, Wes, did you just call Grant Ramey an idiot? The answer is yes. Yes, I did. It just happened, and it's on the record. Uh, just a couple more, and we'll be out of here, guys. Uh, from Tap Room ninety two, um, there's three questions: two from him, and then one more. And we'll be out of here. He said, uh, "Do y'all believe it will be easier for a team to rebound from NCAA sanctions these days due to the NCAA portal?" My answer would be yes. I think a yes, little in bit. terms of yes, in terms of can you can a couple of additions from the portal get a difference in one or two more wins? Yes, in terms of the getting your numbers back to closer where they need to be, which is the situation that Tennessee's in. No, because you can still only take twenty five a year. Uh, but in the portal, if you get you get a, you hit on a big time quarterback, or you hit on a big time defensive player, or you hit on you know two or three difference makers that come in and start for you. Yes, I think that that can. 
that can make a team rebound easier from a number standpoint. I don't, I would say no, because just the numbers don't change based on whether you're taking high school kids or transfers. Yeah. Quantity, quantity, no short-term quality. Yes. In my opinion. Yes. That's where, that's where the difference is the short-term impact. And also to, to that point, it can actually complicate your rebuild a little bit if you take too many transfers. So I think Tennessee has to watch that, especially having 10 in this class. They wanted to not take many first their one-year guys like Javante Payton for that very reason, uh, but you don't want to use those numbers and then have to replace them the next year too. So, um, yeah, how, how does that work out for future classes? If, if the, all, all 10 of those guys are gone within two years, that's just that much more attrition you have to worry about down the road, and then suddenly in two years – your numbers aren't that much better off. Question also from Taproom92, can Cooper Mays get it done? I believe, yes, he can. Uh, I know that there are, there are some people that I've talked to, some former players at Tennessee, some other people who have watched some practices and things. They, Some of them, a couple of them that I've talked to, have been concerned about his size. He's just not a, a huge kid, but I, I he just plays with toughness. He plays with leverage. He understands the offense. I, I like him at center. You don't need the biggest guy at center. So Agreed. I think he's... He's pretty close to what they what the staff had at UCF in terms of height, weight for the center, and, uh, and so that that's probably what you wanted. And you know, a lot of the times these guys are going to be getting out on the second level, so you want some uh, you want some athleticism up front on the offensive line. Of he can get it done, but one one thing worth noting: Glenn Ellerby did say on Monday that Jerome Carvin also gets plenty of work at center, and they're totally open to if Carvin were to give them their best five with with him playing at center they're willing to go that route. So it's not like he has no competition for the job. No, I, I just, I like him in that spot. I think he's tough. And I think there's some of the things I just discussed that I think Plus he, he would be pretty Catholic. Soft. I didn't mention that. You did. <laughs> I, 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 I speech to the punch, Wes. Well, he did go to the best high school in the history of ever. That does help. Uh, we will go to Twitter for one question. There were a bunch on there, but we're going to go just one because we're a little low on time here. Question from Joe in Nashville. Black jerseys? Question mark. I think they're going to happen. Yeah, I, I think I think they'll happen. It's a matter of when, um, and, and I think there's a real chance it happens this year. Um, we'll we'll see. But if they do it, I I think be prepared for a lot of black. I don't think it's going to be like last time where they just slap on a black jersey with ev- with uh, everything else being normal. I think it'll they will they will do a more complete look and and kind of do it right, whether you like it or not. I think that's the and that's the way to do it. I think I think you you got to make sure it matches and not make it look like it's yeah, the stu- cheaply when you do the old helmet. You know, with that, it doesn't work, which is why I like the Smoky Gray uniforms, because they were an entire palette, like from top to bottom. And when they went Smoky Gray, I kind of wish they would do that instead of black jerseys. But if they're doing black jerseys for any sort of personal reasons, I don't have a problem with that. I just think aesthetically, I like the idea of going to the Smoky Gray. It's if, if you're an old school guy, I, I get it. An old school fan that just doesn't like to see the alternate stuff. But like it or not, I mean, it, it helps in recruiting. Kids love that stuff. And when they come in, come on visits and try on jerseys, I mean, they were trying on the smoky gray jerseys after the Butch Jones tenure for a little while, if you remember. Even though Jeremy Pruitt had no intention of using them in a game, they were still letting recruits try them on a little bit I, in 2018. I liked them. So, I don't know why they went away from them. I yeah. liked them, personally. Yep. So uh, so it's it's just part of college football now, and I think especially for a program like Tennessee where you're, you're scratching and clawing to get back up there, uh, you got to be open-minded. If kids express interest in them, you gotta you gotta do it, I think, at least once a year. There are a couple I just hope they don't have a full on Butch Jones fashion show like like there was that one season. <laughs> oh God, Let's right. just not do that. Hype. Or, 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 or don't do it at a Starbucks like Vandy did in <laughs> Which I'll never forget. And they had like a fashion show for the football uniforms at like Starbucks. 
It's like, come on, guys, really? But uh, there were a lot more good questions on Twitter, and we will get to them maybe in our next pod uh, podcast questions mailbag segment. But I believe we are way over time right now already, so I think we got to get out of here. Guys, y'all got anything else? Tennessee's first scrimmage is Thursday. Just want to throw that out there. So we will definitely have more to discuss later this week and, and hopefully some injury updates and things like that from Josh Heupel since coordinators apparently are not saying a whole lot about those kinds of things or offensive line coach and everybody else on the staff not really t- commenting a lot on that. But uh, Thursday, Josh Heupel will talk again and we'll have a lot to discuss from that first scrimmage. I have nothing else to add. See you guys later. That is, <laughs> that is a good way to end it. We will let Pat end it on that. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. We always do. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And thank you for dealing with uh, our voices because a couple of us have some <clears throat> have some cold things going on right now. That's just part of it. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And the idiot Grant Ramey is twitter.com slash Grant Ramey. Although it should be twitter.com slash idiot, but I don't think that's actually him. Or if you just want Tennessee news, nothing else, get that at twitter.com slash govals247. That's all Tennessee news all the time. Or you can go to facebook.com slash govals247, which is updated pretty much around the clock. It's 24-7 for a reason. It's always there on our Facebook page. We got lots of stuff on there all the time. Facebook.com slash govals247. But if you want that most delicious, most picturesque, crystal clear, beautiful, beautiful water, direct from the tap of the Great Smoky Mountains. That would be GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols coverage with Maria Cornelius, who does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us. We've also got two forums that run round the clock all day, every day. That's the checkerboard and the summit. Anything that's not political or religious in nature, go there, mention it, and uh, we'll get a discussion going. We'll talk to you. That, that's what you pay us money for. We will be there most of the day, and we'll be there talking to you. So we, we do that better than anybody else. We are the most interactive Tennessee board on the planet, and we will always be that. That is a huge part of what we are. We are proud of it. You can go there, check it out for yourself at GoVols247.com. And you get all that for less than the price of just one one ridiculously mediocre lunch per month. That's all it costs to get full access to everything I just mentioned, plus, plus access to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus, which is a ton of things. New movies, uh, some classic old movies. All the Indiana Jones movies are on there. Got got a Making of the Godfather documentary on there. Just so many classic, classic movies and new movies also. Quiet Place 2. Lots of things are on there. Uh, also, every show CBS has ever made, commercial free. Uh, you get the stuff from the, the Paramount Plus exclusive shows. You got the Picard stuff, the Star Trek stuff, uh, Evil. You got all kinds of other stuff. You got the, the the spinoffs of Yellowstone that are coming there. All of that, plus access to the to the catalogs of MTV, BET, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, all that stuff. MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, and. On top of that, live sports. You got live sports and on-demand sports. You get Vol Sports, SEC Sports, uh, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, so much more. $100-plus annual value in your pocket for free, no questions asked. No one else can do that. We can do that for you, and we will do that for you if you go to GoVols247.com. Please rate and review this podcast. We would always appreciate that. And if nothing else, guys, you should should hear from us by Thursday at the latest, unless there's breaking news before then. So until then, be good to each other. COVID numbers not looking good, guys. Get that vaccine. Stay away from each other. Wear those freaking masks. 
Let's have a football season. We're so close. We're so close. Let's get through this football season. We can do this, but we got to do it together. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.